recording button also on the Mixer radio station as well. So we are definitely all go. Praise the Lord. Let's do a couple more songs while we are waiting for people to join us. Let's do page three, which is Amazing Grace. Yeah. <laughs> 
15, Victory in Jesus. Thank you. 
Checking everything is pushed. That button is pushed, and that other button is pushed. Yup, yup, yup. All right, praise the Lord. Amen. Praise Jesus. You now we sang that song a ago, Amazing Grace. And I think of His grace and His mercy upon me that I can see today. Amen. Amen. 
that we experienced, we all did, experienced the miracle on that, what is it, was the fifth night, fourth, fourth night, whatever night it was of Hanukkah. Amen. Praise Jesus. How I could have so easily been blinded in one eye that day. But instead of God saying, I see your sins, I see your flaws, I see your weaknesses, he instead had mercy on me. Amen. We can all find faults in ourselves, hopefully. Because if we can't, then that's pride, stubbornness, and rebellion of not being able to see our own sins. Amen. But we serve a great God, the God of mercy, love, grace, amazing grace, and forgiveness. Amen. We cannot always count on that if we're not obedient, if we remain rebellious. That's why we must repent. And we must strive for holiness and perfection, a state of a condition of no longer sinning. We must all strive for that. But until we reach that condition, we are all still in sin. And we all fall short of the glory of God. And his arm is not short. He looks past our sins if we live for him. If we strive for holiness, then we are under his grace. Amen. Let us never forget that. Let us be eternally thankful for amazing grace. It is amazing grace. Amen. We're not saved by the law, and we are not saved by our works or our goodness, lest any man may boast. We are saved by the holy and precious and powerful, not weak, but powerful blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Lord Heavenly Father, thank you for your amazing grace upon us. On me. Thank you, Father, for calling us, for calling me. Thank you, Father, for this fiesta of dedication, a time to think about our own dedication of our spirit, our soul, and our mind and body unto you, this temple unto you. We pray that our lights be shining bright and if not then that you would rekindle us that is on fire for your love your passion your forgiveness and our obedience we pray lord that you have special anointing on this sermon that is about to be delivered to your people we pray for understanding and truth. We pray for any correction 
about doctrine, prophecy, teachings, that if we are not correct about anything, that you would reveal it to us. We pray, Lord, that your spirit and your will prevail in this ministry around the world in each of the congregations, each person, follower of Christ, your spirit and will prevail. And in this sermon, that your light and your glory will shine through brightly to our minds and hearts to cast out every unneedful fear. In the name of Jesus, thy will be done. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. Praise Jesus. Praise God. Let's go to the history book. 1 Maccabees 13. History book, 1 Maccabees 13. Whoever gets there first, shout out the page number. 294. 294. History, volume 2, page 294. 1 Maccabee 13. And then let's go down to verse 25 on page 295. 1 Maccabees 13, verse 25. Now, sometime or another, I'm going to be sending everybody the um, update on these verses that's going to be edited, uh, and it may seem quite different a little bit, and very similar also at the same time. I'm going to be reading this from what it's actually going to say. I'm not even going to read it the way it is right now, but you can try to follow along. I'm not for sure how similar it is and how similar it's not. But starting in verse 25, going down to verse 30, this is how it's going to say in the new paperbacks when it gets done. Simon sent men and gathered the remains of his brother Jonathan and buried him in Modin, the city of his fathers. All Jezreel mourned him with great lament for many days. 27. Simon also built up the tomb of his father and brothers with polished stone, as pyramids were built in the princesses, in front and back, making it high enough to be seen. 28. He then built seven pyramids one opposite the other. I'm probably going to take out that word uh, bend. I'm going to go ahead and scratch it out. I don't want that in there. I don't think I have to double check it, but let's see. But he built, or then built either way, he built seven pyramids, this signing, one opposite the other for his father and his mother and four brothers. And around these pyramids he made equipment of war, building massive pillars around them. And upon these pillows he placed suits of armor for a lasting memorial. And alongside the suits of armor he made carved ships so so they could be seen by everyone selling the sea. This tomb, which he made in Modian, 
exists until this day. And we do have the archaeological remains of those permits. Amen. Now, I've read this before recently, and we do see that Simon built permits. These were tombs for his family. Simon was high priest and king of Israel after many of his brothers and family died in the battles uh, against the uh, Syrian Greek Empire and other foes. And he was not a perfect man. He tried to make uh, peace treaties with uh, heathen empires and and finally discovered that just does not work. It just doesn't work. So he had some weaknesses. But nevertheless, he was the man chosen by God to lead Israel and as both king and high priest, both, both positions of I absolutely refuse to believe that he would have built pyramid tombs for his family if his family looked down upon pyramids. You know, if they, if they, because I know you can look at his faults, but also look at how great of men uh, his brothers were. Uh, I don't think that any of these holy brothers would have uh, um, accepted uh, evil, wicked, pagan memorials or idols. Amen. And I don't think that Simon would have disgraced or dishonored his family by building something as their tomb, something that, that they would have had considered wicked. No, uh-uh, no way. So we see here that not only Simon did not consider them pagan, but neither did his brothers and parents, because if any of those had considered the pyramids as pagan, and they were standing, even the greater, bigger pyramids were already standing, they knew about them, absolutely. These were not ignorant people, amen. They were the leaders of their nation. They were not ignorant people. Pyramids were standing even before these pyramids. They knew about the pyramids in Egypt. Absolutely, they were not ignorant people. Amen. So, I believe that this is absolutely evidence that the pyramids are not always pagan. And that's what I'm going to talk about this morning on this uh, seventh day of dedication. And I'd like for you to go ahead and turn to the book of Prophets now. Book of Jeremiah, chapter 50. Now, this particular reference in Jeremiah 50, which in King James is chapter 43, but in Alpha Omega Bible is chapter 50, since the Greek Septuagint does have a different arrangement of chapters and verse numbers. Jeremiah 50 in the AOB, verse 13, the last verse of Jeremiah 50 in the AOB. This particular verse I'm going to share because a lot of people is going to probably bring it up to you if and when you get around 
to talking about permits. While you may have a permit in your house now or eventually, you may have a little bit of a permit such as a crystal or a strong night stone uh, in the shape of a pyramid. And I'm going to be start making what they call Argonite, which is a structure made of crystals and other materials, shungnite and crystals, and other materials all mixed together into a structure in the shape of a pyramid. And I'm going to start making these and uh, providing them on the ministry website in exchange for donations for people. And um, and some of you may eventually get this as well. So people may ask you or when they see this, or you may bring it up to them first. And then they're going to bring up this verse. They're going to bring up this verse. So we need to know about this. And in verse 13, Jeremiah 50, verse 13, this is page 89. Verse 13, and he shall break to pieces, talking about God, shall break to pieces the pillars, which is actually going to be changed to the word obelisks. You can go ahead and scratch it out, change it to obelisks. And he shall break to pieces the obelisks of the city called Helipopolis. I don't know how you pronounce it, Helipopolis. That are in this other city or a region called On, which means amen, or one, or alpha, in this city, and shall burn their houses, and some translations say temples, with fire. So people going to bring this up because God is going to destroy the offices and the temples of sun worship in this Egyptian city, which was kind of like the capital city of sun worship back in uh, ancient Egypt. And the reason they bring that up is because they relate obelisks with pyramids because at some of the pyramids there are obelisks, the pillars, the steeples, right outside of those pyramids. So there's a connection there in a lot of people's minds. Plus, the word houses sometimes is translated as temples. And a lot of people think, and I used to think, that the temples of sun worship, the, the temples of, of uh, the Egyptian sun god, Ra, was the same as the pyramids. But the fact is, they are not the same structures. And that is extremely easy to prove and to examine. You can just type in on the search engines on the Internet, um, Sun worship temples of Egypt, that simple, and see that they were entirely different structures. The temple of sun worship was not the pyramid. They did not, they did not gather inside the pyramid to worship. It was not a church building. It was not a temple. Okay? So if you think about it, it's actually uh, easy to figure that out once we just take time to think about it. So they cannot use the word temple or houses here for the permits because that is a different structure. And then as far as the obelisks go, this is not saying that God is going to destroy every obelisks in the world, but rather that particular obelisks at that particular capital of sun worship 
that is specific. That is specific. One location. And it says nothing about permits in this verse. Nothing. So really, they cannot use this verse, even though they would try, because it is too specific to a certain location. Amen. Why does it not say that he's going to destroy every permit or every obelisk? Why does it not say that? It's very specific. Amen. Next, let's go to the book of law and turn to Genesis 41. Genesis chapter 41, page 78, and then let's go down to the other page, page 79, and let's go to verse 48. Genesis 41, verse 48 and 49. Genesis 41, verse 48 and 49. This is talking about Joseph. And he was a ruler of Egypt. Verse 48, he, Joseph, gathered all the food of the seven years in which was the plenty, seven years of plenty in the land of Egypt. And he laid up the food in the cities, the food of the fields of the city round about it, he laid up in it. And Joseph gathered very much grain as the sand of the sea, meaning much, much grain, until it could not be numbered, for there was no number of it. And the great multitude of grain that was saved up for seven years. Now, not only was it enough to feed Egypt for the seven years of famine that there followed after that, but also enough to even sell to surrounding nations. Remember that uh, his brothers, not knowing that Joseph was the leader of Israel, uh, they came to Egypt because they heard that Egypt had grain enough to even sell to other people, other multiple nations around about, and they came to buy grain from Egypt. So this was tons and tons of grain enough for seven years for Egypt plus for other nations. That is a lot of grain. Now, Egypt did have grain silos, farm silos. They did. But I really cannot imagine having enough farm silos. I believe that they did need and did, in fact, use the pyramids for grain storage. In fact, there are archaeological discoveries of grain inside some of the pyramids. Why? Because the, the shape and the building materials of the pyramids does have a 
ability to preserve food. Joseph was a wise man. The Bible says that everything his hand touched prospered. He knew how to do things successfully. He would have known as a leader of Egypt and as a wise man that the pyramids had this ability to preserve food. He would have used the pyramids, I believe, to store the grain as well as the silos. Now, not only that, but there is what is called uh, in Egypt the Labyrinth of the Twelve Kings. The Labyrinth of the Twelve Kings. I'm not for sure how you pronounce the village that it is located in, the village of Harwana, something like that, Harwara. In that village is the ancient remains of a huge labyrinth which contained the courts of 12 kings, 12 kings. And it is dated to the time of Joseph, and there is a pyramid at that location, at the site. These 12 kings we know were not of Egyptian blood, but came from somewhere else, and they had memorials to their homeland. The archaeological site is buried under tons of sand, and, and the Egyptian government will not allow the archaeologists to unbury this archaeological site, will not let them do any more studies of the site, and will not allow them to publish any official archaeological uh, findings uh, through uh, the official uh, archaeological uh, burials there in Egypt. So Egypt is suppressing this archaeological discovery. Why would they do that? Why is it a, uh, a court of 12 kings who were not Egyptians? These are the things to think about. I do believe that these 12 kings were the 12 patriarchs of Israel, 12 tribes, as each leader, each man of his tribe was a king of his tribe. Amen. And there is a water canal, or what was a water canal, at the site that they used uh, to have ships to come up with all the huge stones to build the pyramid and to build the labyrinth, which we find similar water canals uh, or at least the remains of them, beside many of the pyramids in Egypt. We know now that's how they built the pyramids. When I was a child in school, uh, they said they didn't know how they got the huge stones to the pyramid site, uh, that uh, the, the location of the stones they knew, the location, the original location of the stones, where they got the stones from, but it was a huge distance away from the pyramids, how did they get in there? They didn't know. But just a few years ago, I think just a couple years ago maybe, sometime recently, uh, the archaeological discoveries, uh, revelations came out in public that they now understood 
that it was through water canals that they built, including Joseph built water canals for this purpose. Why did Joseph build water canals? To build the pyramids, or at least some pyramids, and this labyrinth. In fact, the canal that comes up to that labyrinth and that pyramid at that particular location is traditionally called Joseph's Canal. Why would it be called Joseph's Canal unless Joseph built it? The entire structure, everything at that location. Amen. And all of this, especially the pyramid, is definitely from Joseph's lifetime. Amen. Now, if you look up the word pyramid today in Strong's Occurrence and on the Internet, the origin of the word pyramid, it's going to tell you that the word pyramid means fire or energy in the midst of. But if you had lived back in the 1800s or earlier and looked up or asked a professor or an expert or a Bible scholar what the word pyramid means, they would have said that the word pyramid means wheat cake. Wheat cake. They say that that's what it meant, uh, mostly from a connection of a Greek word for wheat, which I'm not confirmed, but that's what they say. And it was, and I have confirmed that the lexicons in the uh, the first decade of the 1900s definitely did give that definition. I have confirmed that. And not only in the first decade of uh, maybe even the second decade of the 1900s, and definitely hundreds of years, hundreds of years, maybe even as far back as the 300s and the 400s, people were saying, and maybe even in the B.C. years, people were saying that the word pyramid does mean wheat cake because they say that it kind of looked like, from a distance, uh, a cake situated on the land. And people did know that there was wheat inside those cakes. There was wheat inside those buildings. They knew that. And many, many, many different people in history said it. Uh, historians and researchers and uh, Bible scholars and church leaders throughout many centuries, proclaimed that the pyramids were used by Joseph as grain storage places and that the word pyramids meant wheat cake. Then let's think for a moment about Moses. Moses was raised in Egypt. He was a prince of Egypt. And as a prince of Egypt, he may have even helped build some of the pyramids, at least by command. And eventually, God had used Moses to write down hundreds of laws and regulations. And yet, as far as I know, the best of my current understanding, there's nothing in the law written by Moses forbidding uh, the use or the building of pyramids out of hundreds of laws, out of, uh, I think the Jews claim that there are 600 and some laws in the Old Testament, mostly written by Moses. So out of all those laws, not one law says, thou shalt not build pyramids. And yet Moses knew 
about pyramids, absolutely. And the pyramids were standing in Moses' lifetime, yet, yet Moses never wrote down that you can't enter a pyramid or you can't build a pyramid or you shouldn't have anything to do with the pyramids. And also think of the ten plagues, the ten plagues of Egypt. God used the Egyptian gods. He did use the Egyptian gods of the flies, the frogs, and the Nile River to strike Egypt. The Egyptians were worshiping the Nile River. Therefore, that is why God turned the Nile River to blood. He was using the Egyptian gods to strike them. They worshipped frogs, and he used frogs to strike them. And yet, God did not strike the pyramids during the ten plagues. And I believe that if the pyramids were pagan and if the Israelites considered them to be pagan, then the Israelites would not have even agreed to build them, even under threat of slavery, even under slave labor, even upon the threat of death. I do not believe that the Israelites, or at least hopefully, they would not have built anything pagan, even under threat of death. It is also possible that the pyramids were standing before Noah's flood. That is very possible. I don't know. But it's very possible that the pyramids were already standing before Noah's flood, in which case, if that is true, God did not destroy the pyramids even in Noah's flood. Also think about, after Noah's flood, the event of the Tower of Babel, or Babel. The Tower of Babylon, the Tower of Babel, God struck down that particular tire or pillar or a space launch or whatever it was, God struck it down. Why did he not strike down the pyramids? Multiple times throughout biblical history, God did not strike the pyramids. They are still standing. And then, let's think for a moment about the healing properties of pyramids. Because Jesus did recently reveal to us that we can use crystals for healing. Through the use of crystals and researching about crystals and looking up where to get from and so forth, I saw that a lot of the websites that sell crystals, they sell pyramids as well. The Shunite pyramids and different pyramids made of crystals and organite, organite, whatever it is, so forth. So that drove me or provoked me to look up about pyramids. And I discovered that the pyramid shape and the obelisks as well is actually natural shapes of crystals. The natural shape and form of many different crystals are in a pyramidal or obelisk shape. And also think about the obelisk. It does have a pyramid tip. Now I know 
that many, many, many websites claim that the obelisk is a penis. And I used to believe that because that's what I read on the Internet. I'm not a very gullible person, but I still did believe that because I couldn't make sense of what it was because I was ignorant about crystals at the time. I was ignorant that the obelisks and the pyramid both are natural forming shapes of crystals. I did not know that, did not understand that. But now I do. And now that I understand that scientific fact, I can no longer believe the foolish, and really, actually, when you think about it, stupid theory that the obelisks is a penis. It's not a penis. It's not round. Look carefully at the Washington Monument in Washington, D.C. It is not round. It is flat-shaped on every side, four sides, flat on each of the four sides with pyramid at the top. That is not a penis. I've never seen a flat penis in my life. Amen? The word obelisk does not mean penis but rather it means pillar, a nail or a pillar. Amen. Now, I've never seen an obelisk that came with balls. It just simply is not there. The obelisk can be considered as the natural shape of crystals, many crystals, but it can also be considered the shape of a sun ray or electrical current. History also shows that some of the obelisks were built as memorials of achievement. And the pyramid top of the obelisks was often covered with gold or silver, just like the top of the Great Pyramid of Giza was supposedly planned to originally have a gold capstone that was never put in place. The shape and the building material, both, the shape and the building material of both the obelisks and the pyramid, both actually reveal its purpose. You want to know the purpose of a building Look at the shape and the building material and what occurs inside of it. And when we look at the building material of both the obelisks and the pyramid, it is quartz and other crystals, healing crystals. Why would they build the obelisks and the pyramid both out of healing crystals? not just any crystal, not any stone, not any rock, but healing crystals, unless it was being used for healing as well as preservation of food. Amen? And not only can these, these same crystals be used for healing, but also for generation of electricity. I do believe that they were multi-purpose. Yes, the Egyptians did eventually 
use the pyramids and the obelisks in their sun worship. I cannot deny that. That is very clear. But we can also look how the homosexuals use God's rainbow and many other examples of how wicked people use something that God created, something that is totally fine to use and good and acceptable and corrupt it and use it in a wrong way, just like wicked people can wrongfully use the Bible scriptures, the rainbow, and even the crystals. Guns, knives, sex, and many other things have been corrupted and misused by wicked people. Just because we know that the Egyptians integrated sun worship into the pyramids and the obelisks does not automatically mean, does not automatically mean that that was the only purpose or the original origin of those structures. If the pyramids were built before the flood, then that removes the origin of the pyramids away from what we know as Egypt. Amen. Let's think also about the Indian mounds that are in North America and South America and Mexico, even not many miles away from here in Cherokee, North Carolina, in the, uh, in the Indian uh, Cherokee Indian Reservation, in the Indian, uh, Cherokee, North Carolina, not too many miles from here. There is an Indian mound there, and there is a giant Indian mound up in the state of Ohio that, if I remember right, the one in Ohio is the largest one in North America. Let me look at my notes real quick to see if, if that's the right location. No, Illinois is the one that has the largest one. Let me read this to you. And I did finish an article on this, and it's after the sermon is over with or sometime later today, I will release that article uh, onto the MeWe groups and uh, newsletter and other places like that. But the article is done and is already linked on the website in the category of light versus darkness since we're dealing with light and energy and things like that. I put it under that category. And this is within that article. And I'm going to read this section about this particular Indian mound. It says, Monk's Mound is the largest pre-Columbian earthwork in the Americas and the largest pyramid north of Mesoamerica. The beginning of its construction dates from 900 to 955 CE. Now, CE is that, that's AD, right? Yeah, AD, okay. So that's not really that old, but it's the largest north of Mesoamerica. Located at Cahoe Mounds, a United Nations World Heritage Site in Illinois. The mound size was calculated in 1988 as being 100 feet high and 955 feet long, including the access ramps at the southern end, 
775 feet wide. This makes Mounds Mound Mound roughly the same size at its base, roughly the same size at its at its base as the Great Pyramid of Giza. Very very interesting. Amen. And there are many other uh, ones. Uh, like the one in Turkey, North Carolina, that you can read about in the um, article, as well as uh, one in Ohio, as well, that you can read about in the article. Now, the reason I bring up these pyramids in, uh, in the Americas, North and South America, and Mexico, also is who built them? Now, we think, or we did think, that the so-called Native Americans, the Native American Indians, including the Cherokees and other tribes, built them. But I have discovered evidence that leads a different direction. Now, some of them may have been built by the people we know as the Native Americans, but they had to learn it from somewhere as well. And I believe that they were originally built by actually white people. The Native American Indians admitted more than one tribe and more than one person of the Native American Indians admitted that they were not the, that the Native Americans, that they were not the original inhabitants of America, but rather they came to America and they invaded the land and drove away previous settlers. They drove away people of white skin who were already building the mounds. And some of these mounds, definitely many of them, were actually pyramids. If you look at the remains of the pyramid uh, at the Lavrish in Egypt, it doesn't look like a pyramid. It looks like an Indian mound because it is so old, so ancient, and uh, the Arabs had... Uh, raided the stones and everything, leaving it looking like a mound. And the same thing happened to the North American Indian mounds, that many of them were pyramids with stones. And many of those were used, as we know, also as uh, tombs, just like uh, some of the Egyptian ones. But not all pyramids were tombs. In fact, very few, extremely very few mummies and dead bodies have been found inside a pyramid. Most people think every pyramid a body has been found in, and that's not true. There's actually very few mummies and dead bodies have been found inside pyramids. They're usually found somewhere else, not actually inside the pyramids. But I won't deny that some of the pyramids were tombs. But I'm just saying they were not all tombs, and that was not the only purpose. I don't even believe that was the original purpose. I think they just discovered that they preserved food and dead bodies and used it for both in addition to the original purposes. But there were white people already in America already building pyramids even before, before the so-called Native Americans came. And there's evidence that the Native Americans and those before the Native Americans, the original inhabitants of North America, the white people, were from 
Egypt and Israel. There has been Paleo-Hebrew writings discovered in so-called Indian caves. There has been Egyptian and Israelite remnants and writings both found inside the United States in locations that we thought were Native American locations. But I believe that these were Israelites. I do believe that the evidence is overwhelming that the tribes of Israel came to America as was their destiny, amen, even well, well, well before Columbus. And then the Native Americans came. I believe that the Native Americans were mostly from India. The history books and many archaeologists, they claim that the Native Americans came from East Asia. But yet, the Native Americans do not look Asian. They do not look Japanese or Korean or Chinese. I believe that when Columbus mistakenly called them Indians, I believe that was heavenly divine because I believe they really are from India originally. Could be wrong about that, but that's why I'm leaning toward believing. And they came in and wiped out and drove out the original Israelite settlements. But because Israel was destined to control and dominate North America, the Israelites eventually came back. Now let's turn to the book of Revelation. I believe that this, beyond everything else, is the most powerful proof. Revelation 21. I believe that this is the most powerful proof out of everything. Is when we look at the new city of Jerusalem that shall come down out of heaven. Amen. Revelation 21, verse 10. Verse 10 and verse 11. Revelation 21, verse 10. John says, And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from the Theos. Having the glory of the Theos, her brilliance was like a very costly stone as a stone of crystal clear jasper. Amen. Skip down to verse 16. The city is laid out as a square, at the foundation, that is, and its length is as great as the width. And he measured the city with the rod 1,500 miles. Its length and its width and its height are 
equal. Amen. Then down to verse 18, the material of the wall was jasper, and the city was pure gold like clear glass. Foundation stones of the city wall were adored with every kind of precious stone. And it lists as many healing stones. Go down to verse 23. And the city has no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of the Theos has illuminated it, and its lamp is the Lamb, the Lamb of God. And the nations will walk by its light. And the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it in the daytime, for there will be no night there, and its gates will never be closed. Amen. So it has a height of 1,500 miles. The base is square, and so is a pyramid base is also square. Many people have pictured a cube, but because this city is made out of crystals, and crystals absorb and transmit light, and the presence of God will be in the midst of all these crystals, which shine light. They reflect light. So if you have all these crystals, healing crystals, which absorb and transmit light, and the and it has a light of God in it, wouldn't it make more sense for it to be a pyramid? I believe so. Now, when we think of the pyramids today, we think of very dull-colored, grayish, brownish, blackish, pyramids, the way they look today. But that's not the way they looked when they were built. When the pyramids were built for an extremely long time thereafter, they looked very bright and brilliant, and they reflected the light of the sun. They were built out of quartz and other shiny materials. They were brightly lit with the sun, the rays of the sun. I believe that the pyramids were models of New Jerusalem, and I believe that the technology, the know-how, the size, the directions, the instructions came from God. That is what I believe. Let's go to one more place. Let's go to... The book of 1 Peter chapter 2, which is very close to the book of Revelation. 1 Peter chapter 2. There are other references throughout the Bible, and uh, which will also be in the article when you get to read it later. But 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 7. This is page 246. 1 Peter 2, verse 7. This precious value then is for you who believe, but for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone. That is talking about Jesus. And it's quoting Psalm 118, but it is also similar to other Bible verses in Matthew 21 
verse 42, Matthew 21, verse 42, which is going to be in the article, as well as Acts 4, verse 11. They all are talking about Jesus, that he is the chief cornerstone that the builders rejected. It's very possible that the great pyramid of Giza originally never had the cornerstone, the chief corner capstone on top. And if they did, they took it down, representing that Christ was rejected. We have that symbol on the back of the American dollar bill. And I do not believe that that is coincidence. Even though it does have the pagan all-seeing eye above it as being the chief cornerstone coming down out of heaven onto the pyramid. And of course, that was drawn by Freemasons. But as I have said many times before, and I continue to repeat because it's the truth, that you can look at any religion and find some truth. And the Freemasons and the Muslims and the Catholics and the witches and the New Age people and the Hindus and the Buddhists and all many other types of people, wicked people, have some truth in every group, including even the Freemasons. And even though they were using a pagan symbol, as far as we know, I do believe that there's the element of truth of Christ, the real God, coming down out of heaven to complete the mansions he has built for us already in heaven as him being the chief cornerstone, that there is symbolism in that, a symbolism of truth of what will occur, of Jesus coming with the pyramid out of the sky, the new city of Jerusalem. The Freemasons actually understand a lot more truth than what you think. They know a lot of truth, but they hide a lot of truth. And that's fact. They hide a lot of truth. They do. But they are very knowledgeable people, very knowledgeable people. And I know for a fact that the Freemasons are excellent about knowing history and hiding history. I'll tell you one more thing before we close. I also discovered, and you'll find the evidence for it in the article about pyramids on the website, that the pyramids, each one is, you could say, musically or sound attuned to certain sounds. The inside chambers, they are attuned to the acoustics of sounds for the purpose of sound therapy or sound healing in combination with the building materials. So you would have certain chemicals stored inside the pyramid, and you would have uh, water, and you would have uh, the building materials of quartz and other crystals, 
and you would have the acoustical effect and all these different elements of the pyramid that would all contribute to forming energy, electricity, as well as electrical energy, not only electrical energy, but also healing energy. And these sounds that the pyramids are attuned to, it's not just any sound, but rather the vowels. Amen. Josephus, the famous historian, Jewish historian, said that the high priests of God's temple wore on their forehead four vows, which were the name of God, not consonants, but vows. The Assyrians and the Babylonians in their witchcraft would chant consonants. They would chant four consonants in the worship of the moon god, Allah. So do the Freemasons and the Catholics and the Satanists and the witches and the Jews and the Wyoming people. They honor and worship four consonants of the YHWH that refers to the devil. And they always tell you there was no vows because they reject the cornerstone and they reject the vows. But the chief high priests of God's temple, they chanted the vows, not consonants. And in the Egyptian pyramids, they did chant the vows for healing and for rebirth. Why is that? I believe that the pyramids came from God and were built by Israelites, Hebrew people and God's people and God's prophets. I believe they probably chanted God's name in those pyramids. And I believe that the sound of God's name healed people. Amen. This is an amazing revelation. As I said, I've got the article finished, and you can go ahead and read it on your own before I release it if you want to, if you got time. And that is at isawlightministries.com slash pyramids.html, all small letters. And at the bottom of that is a link for another article as well about the obelisks. And that's an extremely small article there because it really all points back to the pyramids except for some uh, additional points. That is a brief article about the obelisks. So check out both of these new articles when you get a chance. And thank you for joining us for the seventh day of the Fiesta of Dedication. I hope it's been a blessing and edification to you. And I hope that you would share this with the right people at the right time. Amen. Share it on MeWe Group, any other social media group that you may be part of. A part of. Study it. There's a whole lot more points. This is just a very, very brief introduction. 
but there's a lot more evidence and proof and additional points on the new article about permits and the article about the obuses. Amen. At the end, I'll see you tomorrow for the last day of Hanukkah and for the seventh day of the week as well. A double holiday today, double holiday tomorrow, praise the Lord. And as the world celebrates and sighs a relief and says, oh, I thank God that Christmas is over, we won't do that with Hanukkah, will we? No, because we do not wish for God's holy days to be over with. No, we don't. Amen. But the world, they blasphemy their own days. They don't even like their own days. They detest the very days that they celebrate. That speaks volumes, doesn't it? Amen. Amen. We don't detest God's holy days, and we don't wish them for them to be over with. These are days of rejoicing. These are days that are meaningful and edifying and a blessing to God's people. Amen. Praise the Lord. I hope that you've enjoyed God's holy days this year. And uh, Purim will be coming up in March. That's the next holy day that will be coming up, other than the weekly holy day every seventh day. Purim on March 8th and March 9th. That is only two and a half months away. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's look forward to the next holy days. All of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.